Hello, everybody. Welcome to Learn to Pray. I'm your host, pastor, teacher, and author, Taryn Gaddis. I thought prayer thought today is spiritual warfare. Our scripture, 2 Chronicles chapter 10, verses 3, 4, and 5. The ESV, ESV translation of God's word says this. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. We each know that the role that Abraham Lincoln made um, with signing the Emancipation Proclamation ultimately setting black slaves free. It literally became it became legal that African Americans were no longer to be held as slaves but to be free. In that is what has become known as the Emancipation Proclamation. The word spread from Capitol Hill down into the valleys of Virginia and the Carolinas, even into the plantations of Georgia, Mississippi, and Alabama. The headlines read, Slavery Legally Abolished. Slavery Legally Abolished. However, the greater majority of slaves in the South went right on living as though there had not been a emancipation. As if the Emancipation Proclamation by President Abraham Lincoln had not been signed. They went on living like they had never been set free. In fact, when one Alabama slave was asked what he thought of the great emancipator whose proclamation has gone in effect, he replied, I don't know nothing about Abraham Lincoln except they say he set us free. And I don't know nothing about that either. How tragic, how shameful. A war had been fought a document had been signed. Slaves were legally set free. The word emancipation and had been signed and yet most continued to live out their years without knowing anything about it. They had chosen to remain slaves 
though they were legally free. Even though they, even though they were emancipated, they kept serving the same master throughout their lives. And yet, so it is with so many believers today. They've been set free, and yet they have chosen to remain slaves to the same stronghold that had gripped them all of their lives. In the text before us today, the Apostle Paul speaks of these habits in the life of a believer and how he uses quite graphic words to describe that which is harmful, hurtful, and hinders us, and harbors us, and holds us. What an amazing passage that is before us today. We were reminded in verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. When Paul penned these words, he was not writing to a group of pagan infidels or idolaters. Rather, his audience was a group of professing believers. He was writing to a congregation and a fellowship of church people. His uh, exhortation deals with those of us who are saved. He's speaking to the body of Christ. And so he spoke in regards to this matter of strongholds. He was speaking of an area that uh, encompassed every one of us as God's people. He was not only speaking of a particular matter, uh, but a spiritual matter. Keep in mind the word stronghold means to harden or to make hard. The word stronghold means to harden or to make hard. And it describes an entrenchment or a fortress. So in the spiritual life, Paul is speaking of a hard place. He is speaking of an, an unbending place. He is speaking of an entrenchment or a fortress or a fortress fought over. He is speaking of an area that is contended for. He is speaking of an entrenchment behind the line. He is speaking of any place in our lives that seems to be an area of contention. It is anything that poses a threat to our spiritual progress. It is any person, any place, any predicament, or any problem that hinders us, that harbors us, that hinders us, or that holds us in its clutches and impedes us from our full potential in Christ. I believe Jack Taylor describes it well when he says it is embedded in the mind and cupped, coupled with the emotion and the will. You must understand, ladies and gentlemen, that Satan can never, ever 
take any ground in your life. I'll say it one more time. You must understand that Satan can never ever take any ground in your life that you do not give him. Satan is not greater than the Lord Jesus. So he has no authority in your life. He is a trickster. He is a trespasser. He is a trifler. If you are battling a stronghold in your life, it is because you have opened up the door of your heart, created a climate for the devil, and allowed him to come right in and feel at home. Let's suppose, if, 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 if I could put a window here, let's, let's suppose that you had a piece of property with, uh, with about 50 acres and you sold me one acre in the middle of the property. You also gave me access across your property to get to the one acre that you sold me. And let's suppose I played loud music every night of the week. I throw trash all over the place. And, and I did everything I can do to uh, depreciate your property and desecrate your property and even destroy your property. And after a while, you said to me, I want you out of here. You have got to go. But I say back to you, I don't have to go. And you can't make me go. You sold me this property and I got legal rights to it. And if you don't like it, that's your problem because I'm not moving. You see, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, many believers have done that exact thing with Satan. They have given him a place in their lives and they cannot get him to move. Why, you ask? Because the place they have given Satan has become, you guessed it, his stronghold. You see, when Paul surveyed the condition of the church of Corinth, he saw that the problem was not only people, but people who had become victimized by the entrapment or the entanglement or the enslavement of the enemy. These were people who had been entangled in and entrenched by a stronghold. In verse 5, then Paul not only enlightens us about the, the definition of a stronghold, but, but, but he also now moves to how to determine how, de, how determined a stronghold. Uh, once we, we know what we are, uh, we must then determine if there are any strongholds which exist in our lives. So now that we have defined a stronghold, let's look at how strongholds are determined. In, in order to determine them, we must know what they are. And Paul breaks it down in this second category. In verse 5, he says, We destroy arguments. Another translation says, Cast down imaginations and every lofty opinion that rises against the knowledge of God. 
that destroy argument or cast down imagination uh, and, and, and everything that that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That phrase, every lofty opinion, speaks of blocks or barriers. We could trans- translate this verse to to destroy or uh, uh, that, uh, to, to destroy or cast down every argument and every barrier that exalts itself against and raises itself above the knowledge of God. And so the apostle is, again, speaking of strongholds in our life and the life of the believer. And these are things which are, are a hard place or an area of contention in our lives. In so doing, he makes the determination that a stronghold is an internal barrier. Any uh, argument or any imagination or any uh, any barrier that rises its high head and threatens to take the rightful place of God is a stronghold. And it must be put down. It could be Paul. It, 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 it could be that Paul is speaking of a material matter, or a spiritual matter, or a financial matter. Perhaps it, he's including a a career. Maybe maybe he's speaking of a relationship. Maybe he's speaking of um, uh, rec- recreation, or maybe he's speaking of of a favorite lifestyle. What, whatever the case may be, it is. It has surfaced and has placed. It's tentacles around our spiritual oxygen tank, creating a barrier between us and God and has caused our supply of spiritual oxygen to be cut low. It is, again, verse 5, it is an internal barrier, but it is also an infernal battle. Uh, Again, verse 5 says we destroy uh, arguments and every lofty opinion uh, it rises against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive. I call your attention again to that word argument or imagination that is used. Uh, it, 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 in the Greek uh, in the Greek language it is uh, it means a, uh, imagination. It means uh, uh, spectacular. It, it, it's a connotation that is is a spiritual spectation or spectacle uh, or some type of speculation or some type of reasoning or some type of uh, reasonable thought, unreasonable thought. It makes us aware of these strongholds. He not only describes them as being internal, but also infernal, an internal battle and an infernal battle. He is speaking here of our thoughts or our thought life. He is speaking, hear me, he is speaking of our mind. He is speaking of that which is not only perceived externally, but that is present internally. If we are to be completely honest, there, 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 there is not one person listen, listening to me right now who has not battled with this. At one time or another, with a stronghold of their mind or their thought. In fact, the, the mind is where the in, infernal battle takes place 
every day of our lives. Because once we're saved, I want you to hear this, once we are saved, Satan knows that he cannot have our souls. He cannot have our souls. So he moves to plan B. Plan A is he wants to keep us from ever coming into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But once we know that once we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, he cannot have our soul. So So he scraps plan A and he goes to plan B. And plan B is which which is where he puts the bullseye. He puts the bullseye on our minds. With the bullseye in place, he then sets out to bombard and barrage and pollute and pervert and defile and destroy our minds with thoughts of the wicked and wickedness. I don't know about you, but this is without a doubt one of the biggest, one of my biggest personal battles. It is something that I keep. I, I must keep my guard up against, and a I must personally check it every single day, because Satan is a master of mind control, and he has and he's done a good job of it. He has perverted, he has polluted, he has defiled, he has destroyed, he has controlled, he has corrupted the minds of many believers because they have allowed him to set up a stronghold. What are some of these strongholds that we allow Satan to set up in our minds? I'm glad you ask. Because one one of the strongholds that Satan sets up in our minds and heart, it could be uh it could be bitterness. Uh, another stronghold, it could be anger. Another stronghold could be resentment. You get in the picture here. Uh, um, um, uh, another uh, stronghold could be a, uh, a a a dangerous temper. Another stronghold could be a lying tongue. Uh, another stronghold could be uh, food. Uh, another trans. Uh, another uh, stronghold could be finances. Uh, and then it can also be fantasy. It, it can also be, we're talking about strongholds, it, it, it also could be corrupt communication. It could be worldly, wretched and wicked thoughts of members of the opposite sex. It could be fantasy. It could be images that we view on the, on the computer screen or on our personal phones. Whatever the case may be. It has become an internal barrier which leads to an infernal battle. You see, no stronghold just happens. We, we don't wake up one day and decide today, I think that I'll let Satan set up a stronghold in my life. Ladies and gentlemen, it never happens like that. However, slowly but surely, we begin to allow arguments we began to allow imaginations we began to allow every high thing 
that assault is it exalts itself against the knowledge of God. It just simply creeps in to our hearts. And if it is not immediately dealt with, Satan will set up a stronghold that would wreak havoc on your spiritual well-being. I believe Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this, at the moment when lust takes control, God loses all reality. Satan does not fill us with the hatred of God, but with forgetfulness of God. Hence, lust is conceived and sin is produced. You see what Satan does? Satan comes in and he begins to challenge what God said. When, when, we, when we see Satan showing up in the garden, what did he do? He, he put doubt there for Eve and Adam. Did God really say that? And listen, Dietrich Bonhoeffer is absolutely correct. Satan is too smart to know that he cannot cause us to hate God. But if he can cause us, even for a moment, to forget God, then he has an opportunity to set up a stronghold. The, the moment we don't allow God to be first place in our lives, and, and, and the moment we, because Satan knows, he, he's too smart, he knows that once we're saved, he cannot make us hate God. But he can cause us to forget God. And when we forget God, he sets up opportunity for a stronghold. I think of a man who was building a birdhouse and he was sharing with his neighbor the process. He was building a birdhouse for a purple marten. And he then went on to say, as he's explaining the process, that the birdhouse had to be built with a certain size hole in the birdhouse to attract that purple marten. And if the purple Martin sees the house and likes it, he would come in and live there. But he has to be made to feel welcome. In other words, a climate had to be created for the purple Martin before he'll make it his home. And that's exactly what many Christians have done. They have created a climate for the enemy, Satan. They created a certain condition internally, externally, and have literally rolled out the welcome carpet or the welcome mat for the devil, saying, devil, I believe this is 
the kind of place that will suit you. So, come on. But I can't leave you there because we need to know how to destroy strongholds. <laughs> we, we don't only get the, uh, the, the, uh, uh, the definition and, and uh, determination of a stronghold. Well, we got to know how to destroy them, don't we? And God's word tells us just how to destroy them. We are made to, we're made aware of the battle and the enemy. And we are made to aware of the battle fold, the battle facts, and the battlefield. Once we define and determine strongholds, there are only, there's only one way to combat them. And that is, they must be destroyed. Will you say that with me? They must be destroyed. The stronghold in your life and my life, they must be destroyed. Well, I didn't miss verse 3. Um, verse 3 helps us to understand how to do this. Verse 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war against the flesh. We are reminded that if we are to destroy strongholds in our lives, then... First and foremost, our enemy must be recognized. You, you see, in verse 5, strongholds are identified as arguments or imaginations. It, it is uh, every thought or every discussion that, that, that exalts itself against God. And I want you to hear this because doesn't that sound familiar? I've said it several times and I hope that there's a red flag that pops up in your mind and it sounds so familiar to you that you say, oh, I got it. Because that's exactly what happened when the devil became the devil. Uh, did, 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 did God not create the devil? He created, he created an angel. He didn't create the devil. He created an angel. And his name was Lucifer, who became the devil. How did he become the devil, you ask? He became the devil because he rose up in opposition to God's power and preeminence and power. Preeminence and power. One day the devil said, I will ascend. Hear this, Isaiah 14, verse 13 and 14. I will ascend into heavens. And I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. And I will sit also upon the mount of congregation in the side of the north. And I will ascend above the height of the cloud. And I will be like the most high. So because of his pride, Lucifer, son of the morning, became Satan, serpent of the night. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Satan the devil, the accuser of the brethren, the prince of peace, uh, and the prince of power of this air is our enemy. For years and years and years, we have been fighting a battle with the wrong facts. We have been fighting against the wrong foe. We have been fighting uh, on the wrong field. One more time, for years, we have been fighting a battle with the wrong facts against the wrong foe and on the wrong field. Our attack has been, there's an attack that has been launched against those of us and rather than, uh, rather than those against us, it has been launched against friend among, amongst us rather than 
fiends around us. Our enemy is not each other. Simply, our enemy is not each other. Our enemy is not the church. Our enemy is not the fellowship of Christians. Our enemy is the devil himself. However, if we are to fight the battle and destroy these strongholds, then our enemy must be recognized. Must recognize our enemies. In fact, Paul writes this in Ephesians chapter 12. I mean, chapter 6, verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the ruler of darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. The fact of the matter is, is that many Christians have gotten all dressed up in their combat fatigues, but they've shown up at the wrong battle to fight the wrong fight. Rather than combating the enemy, we have combated each other. Rather than combating Satan, we have combated saints. Rather than combating the powers of another world, we have combated persons in this world. It may be strongholds of tradition. It may be strongholds of bitterness. It may be strongholds of low self-esteem. It may be strongholds of fear or intimidation. It may be strongholds of inadequacy. It may be strongholds of pornography. It may be strongholds of laziness. It may be strongholds of habits, hurts, handicaps, or handcuffs. Whatever the case may be, these are all vices of a supernatural enemy. And in order to destroy these strongholds, we must know who is behind it. Let me close. Thank you for your time today. But I think of a story as I close uh, that Ivory Powell told. He says, he once had a deacon in his church who always concluded his prayer the same way. Every time he prayed, he would conclude by saying, And Lord, clean all the cobwebs out of my life. Lord, clean all the cobwebs out of my life. Finally, it had gotten to be too much for one of his fellow members in the prayer meeting. He got tired of him coming in every prayer service ended his prayer the same way and Lord clean all the cobwebs out of my life Lord clean all the cobwebs out of my life so he had heard the old deacon say that one too many times and so prayer meeting began and so when the man made that prayer he began to close out his prayer and said, Lord, clean all the cobwebs out of my life. Lord. And the other fellow jumped up to his feet and said, Lord, Lord, don't do it. Don't clean the cobwebs. Just kill the spider. And I may God 
not clean the cobwebs out of our strong of our strongholds, but may he kill the spider who is the true, true enemy. I want you to know that Paul lists our equipment for our weapons of our warfare are not flesh but have divine power to destroy strongholds. And once we understand the arsenal, we are able to move on to verse 5. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion that rises against the knowledge of God and takes every thought into captivity to obey Christ. We must destroy it. We must demolish it. We must put an end to it. Our arsenal is packed with the word of God, the faith in God, the truth of God, the salvation of God, and the spirit of God. That is the arsenal that every child of God has. And may I say that it will whip any demon or devil that hell may throw to us. Do you have any ground in your life that you've given to the devil? Do you have any territory in your life where you've allowed Satan to set up a stronghold? If so, there is only one way to destroy it. You must take it back. You must take it back. This is not a time to play. This is not a time that this is not a time to play with the enemy. This is a time for us to take up the power that God has given us. This is not a time for weaklings. This is a time for warriors. This is not a time for cowardly. It is a time for the courageous. This is not a time for proud hearts. This is a time for pure hearts. Let's take back our territory. Let's take it back. Let's take it back. In Jesus' name. Let me pray for you. <coughs> Whether it is a habit or handicap or hang-up, you don't have to be the devil's puppet. You don't have to be the devil's plaything. You don't have to be the devil's slave because you've been set free. In legal tender of the blood of the cross, in the power of the attorney of the empty tomb and every stronghold has been pulled down every imagination every argument has been cast down and every thought brought down until we have enjoyed every right take it back let's pray Heavenly Father there are many that seek to demolish the truth of the glorious gospel of 
Jesus Christ through scornful criticism and and ill-imaginations of philosophies or images of philosophies. Thank you that in Christ we have the word of God and the power of prayer to demolish any long-winded, ungodly opinion of men with their impressive credentials and dismissive policies. May the word of my mouth and the thought of my heart reflect the truth of your word. May I depend on you to bring down all strongholds and arguments that are fired against me, that seeks to discredit the truth of the glorious gospel. Father, I not only need deliverance from the opinion of others, but from my own opinion of myself. I too pray that my thoughts are kept in captivity to obey you. Help me to become more and more captive with Christ so that all else melts away as I gaze on the beauty of his presence within my heart. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.